This is Radio Maria England, and this is Women Together. Welcome to our 12th and penultimate episode of Women Together Series 2. This is the last, this is almost the last one. Almost the last. last. but one. One, one, one more day. <laughs> According to Breast Cancer UK, approximately a quarter of all breast cancers are preventable. A staggering statistic. Have you or do you know someone who, who has been affected by breast cancer? Maybe you wish you'd known more about prevention. But how easy is it to make changes to our diet and lifestyle? And can it really make such a difference? And is it possible to spread the word about prevention without making us all feel afraid? And of course, if you'd like us to pray for you, then do text us here in the Radio Maria England studio on 07502 to be part of the Women Together discussion live today, Thursday, the 1st of July, after we've heard from the very inspiring Tally Martini, CEO of Breast Cancer UK. Well, I am your host, Genevieve Wedgbury, and it's great to be with you again on this beautiful sunny day. And we are joined by our wonderful producer, Helena. Hi, Helena. Hey, hey, hey. So pinch punch first of the month. <laughs> I managed to get that in before my husband. I think the score is like 10 to 2 or something. So I'm, I'm oh, clearly in the lead. Well done, well done, well done. <laughs> Helena, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I have been on this health kick ever since uh, you interviewed uh, Professor Robert Thomas. And uh, originally we were going to have him also on the show today, but he had so much information that we decided to let it be a Padres hour on Radio Maria. So if you do want to listen to that, it's being rebroadcast. You can also hear it as a podcast on RadioMariaEngland.uk. I tell you what, I have been all about the nuts and pickles. Really? Yeah, apparently pickles have the probiotic thing that we kept talking about. That's right. So I am trying to sort my gut out. <laughs> and now I'm very, I listened to Talia yesterday on the train. So I've got the inside thing. But you guys, listen, she's got loads of great stuff as well. So I'll continue this health gumption energy through the rest of the week I think that's so exciting it's wonderful to hear that when we actually put things out that actually then you know you're listening to it and thinking yeah you know maybe I'm going to do something differently exactly and, but the real benefits will be because I think it's one thing knowing that you're doing something which is theoretically healthier but it's another thing when you actually feel the difference and you're suddenly it's like true actually yeah I feel I've got more energy now because that's the payoff that makes you want to continue it's going to be the trapped winds that I will be <laughs> maybe you're sharing too much information <laughs> Moving swiftly on, shall we? Moving swiftly on. The remit of Women Together is to help empower women to live in the fullness of who they are in Christ. Because as we say every week, as St. Irenaeus said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And Christ himself said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
And surely, if it's possible to prevent something like breast cancer in certain cases, then this must be part of us living fully in Christ. Breast Cancer UK is the leading breast cancer charity that focuses on the prevention of the disease. They do this through education, supported by scientific research. Tally Martini, breast cancer's uh, CEO and a passionate activist, explains why exposure to certain chemicals can increase our susceptibility to the disease and how positive changes to our diet and lifestyle can reduce our risk and improve our overall health. So let's have a listen. I'm absolutely delighted to have uh, Tally, Tally Martini with us today, who is the CEO of Breast Cancer UK. And Breast Cancer UK is the only breast cancer charity which is dedicated to the prevention of the disease. Is that right, Tally? Well, we're one of very few uh, breast cancer charities uh, dedicated to prevention, but we are the only cancer charity that focuses on campaigning um, and looking at how environmental risk factors play a part in breast cancer as well. So things like uh, harmful chemicals. And Tally, how did you become involved in Breast Cancer UK in the beginning and how long have you been with them? So I've been, I'm quite new to the charity. I joined just over 18 months ago and I became involved because I myself have been personally affected by breast cancer. My, my mother passed away from breast cancer almost 14 years ago now. Um, and although I have quite a long background in public health prevention, um, I really didn't come to understand how breast cancer could be prevented until quite recently. I felt it was time for me really to become more acquainted with this area of public health work. I've always been very dedicated to prevention myself. I've worked in other areas such as alcohol prevention and also diabetes, but not breast cancer. I felt after many years that it was time really to, you know, make my my contribution and also after having come across all this information about how preventable breast cancer is, um, you know, at the time when my mother was going through it, I had a real sense of inevitability. And I realise now that that isn't the case. And that despite what has um, transpired in our lives, we can all take steps to reduce our risk. And, mm. I, and I felt that that was something that I really believed in. I'm also very uh, committed to uh, looking at raising the profile of the importance of understanding the environmental risk factors as well. That's a very little understood and little researched area. Um, I'm very keen to build our campaigning work around that as new CEO and to support the team and the whole charity to grow in that area. But essentially, we cover all breast cancer risk. So our mission really is to provide information, education and campaign for the understanding of uh, how how there are a number of risk factors, lifestyle and environmental that can play a part 
in, in uh, breast cancer and how there are so many things that we can do on an individual level to reduce our risk, but also, and very importantly, on a public health and policy level. And am I right in thinking that part of the charity, it is dedicated to to research as well, because you were saying about the, um, uh, the you know, the, the chemicals, uh, which are so much more part of our environment. And, you know, we get them from the food we eat, probably the water we drink, a whole load of cosmetic and household products as well. But is that something that needs more, more, more research? And is that something that your charity is dedicated to pursuing as well? It is indeed. And in fact, the research we fund, so we do have a, a research program, so we fund grants into research. It is focused entirely on this area, on funding research that looks at the links between harmful chemicals such as endocrine disrupting chemicals and uh, breast cancer risk. The primary reason for that is, is, as I described earlier on, there's very, very little attention being given to this area, despite those studies that have taken place all pointing towards uh, the links between these chemicals and breast cancer. But there is a, a need for a lot more research, not just to be funded, but to be carried out across the full spectrum of these, of these chemicals and environmental risk factors. Mm. We support the precautionary approach, which is about appreciating that there is more research to be done, but because we have very real reason to be concerned about these chemicals. It is important to educate people about um, avoiding these chemicals as much as possible because the more research we do, the more we understand what the risks are. And, and I suppose the longer term concern is that it takes a long, long time for certain chemicals to be banned and taken out of products. But by the time that happens, they may well be relatively ubiquitous in our environment and it can take many, many more years for them to no longer, uh, you know, for people to no longer be exposed to them. So we campaign for certain chemicals in particular to be uh, very quickly removed from the environment. And some of those areas are things like uh, bisphenols. So you may be familiar with BPA. There's been a lot of campaigns around BPA over the years. And we played a significant role in, in bringing to the attention of, uh, you know, uh, government and policymakers the, um, the risks associated with BPA. And now BPA has been banned from most uh, products and it, it just remains in a few products such as um, food contact materials. And we do expect that to, you know, think that to be addressed as well over the course of the next 12 months or so. Um, so this work is very, very important. Very little research is funded in this area, so it is one of our primary concerns, and that's what we want to grow and grow this, and grow not only uh, our research program, but grow more support and more understanding from the community around around the importance of of uh, understanding uh, what chemicals do and how they impact on our breast cancer risk. Why do you think it is, Tally, that uh, you know there is? I don't know if if um, scepticism is the is is the right word, but on on a purely sort of on a very mundane level, I know, for example, I mean, as it as it happens, I don't have caffeine. I know that caffeine affects me. I know that caffeine seems to have an effect upon my hormones, and that's the same with things like I mean, I'm gluten free, I'm dairy free, and. You know, I obviously have quite a sensitive body where, you know, I just know that certain things that I put in, they are going to have an effect. But generally speaking, um, 
it, it seems as if there is, you know, some doubt or it sort of strikes me that it's quite a hard battle to get these messages through, to get people to to sit up and take notice that actually these chemicals, um, they they will have an effect on our on our bodies. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that effect is sort of going to be, you know, potentially very, very harmful and lead to something terrible like um, a cancer developing. Yeah, I think I think it, it goes along with the whole argument for prevention, you know, understanding what risks you're reducing. Well, once you've reduced those risks, if you've taken the necessary steps and you've actually reduced or eliminated those risks, then you, you can't necessarily look back and see what risks you've reduced, if you know what I mean. Right. So it's very hard to communicate um, the importance of prevention, both with regards to what we can do individually on a lifestyle level, but equally when it comes to uh, chemicals for which there is sufficient evidence to cause concern, but not enough evidence to say categorically it most definitely leads to an increase in breast cancer, then it's much, much harder to build our case without uh, without the whole issue being taken seriously enough for, for a serious investigation to be done outside of the work that we're doing. So if you look at cancer research, for example, a very small proportion of cancer research is spent on prevention. And and a fraction of that is spent on looking at how chemicals impacts on on breast cancer. So it's all down to statistics, really. It's all down to, and, and we are also primarily concerned with doing research into treatment and care, which is very important. But what it doesn't do is help us look at ways in which we can reduce the demand for treatment and care. We can reduce the diagnosis in the first place. So it's very easy for, for us to ignore these intangible bits of evidence when we're faced with very tangible things that we can maybe knock on the head straight away. Um, and so that's the work we have to do. And the way we see it is that we don't provide information that makes it hard or alarming for people to take action. On the contrary, we provide information that gives people much more control over their health. So understanding what they can do on a day-to-day basis, such as increasing, you know, doing regular exercise, thinking about the diet uh, that they have, what food they eat, and also thinking about what products to avoid quite easily. And very simple steps collectively can help us to really um, have an impact on our, on our on reducing our risk. And I think, uh, I think you're aware, but maybe your public isn't aware, that over 25% of breast cancers are, it's agreed that over 25% of breast cancers can be prevented. And that's when we look across the spectrum of risk factors. And if we put them all together and say, if we were to, if we were to intervene across all of these risk factors, then over 25% of breast cancers could be prevented. I mean, that is quite a staggering statistic, isn't it? You know, 25%, that is a quarter. I mean, I can imagine that obviously what you're not wanting to do is to scare people. And obviously, you know, we do live in a society today where there's so much information being pummeled at people left, right and centre. There are headlines on the newspapers. There are things coming into people's in boxes every second of every day people can feel quite overwhelmed. So to say someone listening to this, and this might be, you know, complete news for, you know, for, for, for someone, they've never heard these statistics before. What are the first things that people should be thinking about, which aren't too burdensome? Or, or how can people really 
enter into this without it feeling overwhelming? Well, I think there's a couple of steps they can do. If they are very interested in understanding uh, breast cancer prevention, then they can visit our website. We've got lots of information there. Um, and also, a lot of the measures we can take to reduce our risk of breast cancer are very similar to other disease risk reduction. So diet, for example, what, what we eat, lots of fruit and vegetables. There's a lot of studies that show that eating a diet rich in fruit and vegetables, rich in certain um, certain vegetables, say colourful vegetables that are, that are high in carotenoid, a high fibre diet there's increasing evidence for as well, um, and also avoiding certain things such as processed meat and avoiding alcohol. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that if we avoid alcohol, we reduce our risk as well. So if we do drink, at the very least, thinking about sticking to the guidelines. These are very simple steps we can take. Um, regular physical activity, another area that there's a lot of evidence behind as well as, as being uh, effective in, in reducing our risk. Um, some of the evidence suggests that it can help reduce our risk by up to 20% if we're just regularly physically active. We're not talking about athletes. We're just talking about people going out and having, you know, half an hour to an hour's physical activity every day, be it a brisk walk or even doing the housework. Um, these things all have a positive impact on reducing our risk. And... Um, and then also when women in particular reach menopause, keeping their weight down to a, to a healthy level. That also, there's a lot of evidence around uh, how keeping your weight down when you're postmenopausal can also help reduce our risk. So these are simple steps, which I think are quite consistent with other prevention health messages that people will be familiar with. But they also have a very positive impact on, um, on our breast cancer risk. just tuning in you are listening to women together on radio maria england and i am speaking to tally martini and she is the ceo of breast cancer uk we're delighted to have her on the program and breast cancer uk is a charity that is dedicated to the prevention of breast cancer which is you know quite unusual we've just been talking about how 25 percent of breast cancers are preventable which is a staggering statistic a lot of the measures that we can take to reduce our risk are things that we would employ, just generally speaking, to live a healthier lifestyle, such as looking at our weight and looking at our diet. Let's also go back again to some of these other environmental factors, because I, I think I'm right in saying that actually, just as a species, the amount of chemicals that we're exposed to in, in our day-to-day -day life is something that has increased dramatically over the years. Yeah, well, I, uh, what we have seen is over the past 50 years or so, the prevalence of breast cancer has gone up quite dramatically. So from 1970 to now, we've seen a doubling in the rate of, uh, in the incidence rate of breast cancer in women in the UK, quite specifically. One in seven women in the UK will have a diagnosis at some point in their lifetime. And so that's up significantly even since the mid-80s when the, it was one in 12 women. So we've seen this, this ongoing increase and we put it down to 
a number of things, and we've talked about lifestyle and how our lifestyle um, has changed. But the environmental, uh, the environment in which we live, and the chemicals uh, that we are exposed to, both in our everyday life but also occupationally, we believe have played a significant role in, in, you know, have contributed to this increase in incidence rates. And yes, we are exposed to so many chemicals in everyday products, for example. And the kinds of chemicals that we're concerned with are endocrine disrupting chemicals, also known as EDCs. And these are chemicals which can potentially interfere with our hormone system. And the reason it's concerning, say, for breast cancer, but also for other diseases, is that these hormones are known, uh, can, are known to potentially cause breast cancer and other diseases. So when these EDCs interact with our bodies, sometimes they can mimic certain, certain hormones and the, and the increase in those hormones or the increased circulation of those hormones in our, in our bodies can go on to develop uh, diseases such as breast cancer. So that's the concern we have around EDCs. And EDCs are pretty ubiquitous. We can find them in, in lots and lots of products that we encounter on a day-to-day -day basis. So things like parabens, for example, I think a lot of people would have heard of parabens. They might be familiar with looking at bottles and saying, no paraben. But, you know, parabens are still pretty much available in lots of products that we might use in cosmetics, for example. And then pesticides. These are, these are things that have been used for many, many years, but there are commonly used pesticides these days, such as glyphosate, also that are known to be um, to, to contain EDCs. We also have things like pans, like Teflon pans, nonstick surfaces. They contain uh, PFAs. Uh, some hand washes, for example, might contain other chemicals such as triclosan, uh, flame retardants, perfumes, and plastic water bottles as well. So there are so many things that we just use it on, our, on a day-to-day -day basis that may contain EDCs that may also interfere with our hormone system. In in some ways, it strikes me that you know, because obviously we've been through this, uh, you know, this terrible coronavirus pandemic, we've all been in lockdown, but, you know, potentially it's given an opportunity maybe for people to sort of slow down a bit and maybe think about some of these things a little bit more because you, I know on your website, you have details of how people can, you know, spot what might be in, you know, their deodorants or in their hair colour or that, that sort of thing. And you sort of need a bit of time to sit down and digest these things and then to think of maybe what alternatives that you might buy. The good thing is, is that the marketplace now seems to have expanded so much more to be embracing products which are more nat naturally de derived and don't rely on these sort of on, on these preservatives to, 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 to give them longevity. Yeah, and there certainly are choices uh, people can make. There's two choices people have. They can go out and think carefully about choosing products that don't contain these, these chemicals, but they can also do simple things like maybe reduce their use of certain products as well. Um, and that sounds, it might be easier for some than others, but that, that, that's one way of reducing our exposure as well is to use a little less of these products. Yeah, that is a very, very good, very, very good point. And I think it's also important to mention, it's very interesting how you said about prevention 
And, you know, that is actually it's not as quantifiable as, you know, because you're measuring something which, you know, you haven't got effectively. So, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to measure. But I myself went to visit the breast cancer unit here at Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge when I discovered a lump which was benign. But from that experience, that is actually how I first came across your charity. And, you know, it is a very scary experience when anything like that happens. So, Sometimes, you know, if you've got no experience of it, you know, maybe it seems a bit abstract, but actually when you're personally affected or someone you love is personally affected, suddenly that becomes much more real and much more immediate. And then you think, oh, my goodness, I really, really want to attend to these things, to take notice of them and to make changes if that's going to help me to be healthier in the long run. Yeah, and I think that you could apply the same rule as well to the impact of COVID-19 over the past 12 months, how people have become much more conscious of their health and keeping themselves healthy um, and and taking charge of their health. And and prevention, you know, prevention covers so many diseases. Um, so we have found with, our, with a lot of people that we talk to and people who are engaging with our charity that, that it has become top of their agenda and they're much more interested in, in understanding how they can live a life in which they can have control so that they can avoid having to to rely on the health system. I mean, we've seen some, you know, some terrible outcomes with, um, you know, COVID really, uh, I suppose, uh, preventing a lot of people from getting their early diagnosis or uh, interfering with people's treatment programs. We're seeing the negative impact this is having on potentially, and we, we, you know, we fear it is very likely on cancer outcomes across all of, of the UK. And this for a lot of people highlights the importance of prevention as well. And for us, it certainly does. And we see this as a really important time for our message, for our very simple messages to be shared widely so that people understand that the benefits of prevention aren't just that you're going to reduce your risk of breast cancer, but you're going to reduce your risk of so many other diseases as well, and you're going to live a healthier life with a better understanding of what of what's right for you and your health. Um, the This year, actually, is our 20th anniversary, and as part of our 20th anniversary, we have well, we've been planning this for a while, a, a bit of a digital revolution, really, in how we share information and how we support people, you know, to really incorporate prevention in their lives. We'll be celebrating our anniversary in in June, actually, and that's the point where we'll be launching a brand new set of digital tools that are designed to be personalised for people who have had breast cancer or haven't had breast cancer, but they can they can interact with this resource and look at their own personal situation. And what we hope people will get from this is a, a personal kind of prevention plan that's right for them, because we're all different. We all have different lifestyles. We all have different um, family histories as well. And those things all play an important part in determining what what the best pathway is for us in terms of determining um, how we can reduce our risks. So, you know, we're very keen to, to really put prevention on the map, but to give a lot more for people to make it simpler for them to take active steps to reduce their risk, but also to support campaigns that we have uh, with regards to ensuring that public health policymakers incorporate prevention in their plans. Because at the end of the day, without 
public health policy and policymakers putting prevention, getting behind prevention, it's going to be very difficult for us to get our prevention message, uh, you know, across all of um, all of society. Absolutely, yeah. And just to put it into context, breast cancer is the most common cancer in the UK population. And it's the most common cancer amongst women globally. So it, it is something that as as women, uh, you know, we, we should be very engaged with. It shouldn't just be, you know, just something that, oh, well, you know, um, I haven't really been affected by it or, you know, that this is something that we all need to be very, very con concerned about. But at the same time, I love the positivity of your message that actually this is about you know, really being being the best version of you that you can be by making changes which are going to have a positive effect of your overall health. And so if you get involved with BC UK, the messaging that you're taking to friends and family or work colleagues is something that is, is just going to be good for people to to adopt across the board. It's, it's going to be good for everyone's health. Yeah. And I think that's that's the important messaging for people today. People want to kind of put these uh, difficult times behind them and move on in a really positive and healthy and empowered way. And so I suppose we, we have to look at it as an, as an opportunity for us to do just that really, to become better informed about how we can keep ourselves healthy. Um, and of course, really importantly, how we can avoid getting a diagnosis in the first place. Is that part of your goal to maybe join up with some of the other cancer charities, breast cancer charities here in in the UK and abroad as well? You know, so actually there's joined up thinking and you can get these other charities and organisations to to embrace the work that BC UK are doing. And, you know, so you can join forces for a common goal. Yeah, well, we're certainly keen to get other health charities and other cancer charities to recognise the work we do. Um, a lot of cancer charities are uh, primarily concerned. They put all their resources into treatment and care, which is very, very important. And probably, you know, whilst they're not ignoring the, the value of prevention, that's not where their work is. And so, um, you know, it's kind of left to uh, charities such as us to kind of pick up that agenda. I mean, when we started, uh, before we became Breast Cancer UK, we came from a um, we came from a group of organisations, really, the the Women's Environmental Network and the National Breast Cancer Coalition, which at the time was concerned with uh, working to improve breast cancer treatment, care, but also prevention. And I suppose over time, those agendas kind of split because. Um, yeah, I, a lot of charities have focused most of their efforts on treatment and on care and the prevention agenda's kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside. That's why we've come into the picture because we need to raise that. But there are cancer charities that certainly uh, recognise prevention and we have seen some improvements as well at the NHS level. I think in 2019 the NHS long-term plan for the first time really started to pay attention to prevention. Now this was something quite new, there's still a lot more work to do but nevertheless they're moving gradually in the right direction and we've also had some successes with certain chemicals being you know taken off uh, taken out of products and for legislation to be introduced banning those chemicals. So small steps being taken. But as you say, I think the, the, the way forward is to collaborate with other health charities as well as other cancer charities. 
And then when it comes to environmental risk factors, well, we have a shared goal with environmental charities as well. So we do work closely with them. Mm, wonderful. Once again, just going back to actually just before we started the interview, and you did make the point that breast cancer, it is something that affects men as well. So we want to make that point that it's not just something that, ex- that uh, affects women e- exclusively. So these things are for men and, and women alike. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So men, men are, uh, you know, much less likely to, to develop breast cancer, primarily because, you know, breast cancer is affected by circulating hormones, circulating hormones such as estrogen, and men have less estrogen. But it doesn't mean that men aren't susceptible at all. So our message really applies to men and women. And in this new digital uh, revolution, this new resource we're going to be releasing in June. There will be a dedicated section for men and we're very keen to get men involved. Often men come to us very interested, very engaged, but obviously they're, they're, they're concerned about the women in their lives. And so what we're saying to them is that's great. Continue to be concerned about the women in your lives. Learn more about breast cancer for that reason, but actually learn about it for yourself as well. Amazing. Now, obviously, Radio Maria is a a Catholic radio station. So what would you say that your main challenges are as a charity? Because I know for myself and, and all those who are listening, would love to be able to pray for you as well. So what are the main challenges facing you as a charity for the year ahead? Well, I think our challenge is probably very similar to the challenge that the whole sector has faced over the past 12 months, and that's the impact of COVID on the, our ability really to continue to fund our important programs. So our scientific program, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, what we want to do is grow our science program, not reduce it. And we are concerned that the impact of COVID might mean that donations and fundraising starts to drop because we rely entirely on the generosity of our supporters. And that's where our services and and our programs will start to be impacted. So for us, our our biggest challenge over the next 12 months is, is to continue to ride the storm. We did have to make changes to our charity last year in order to to survive the very, you know, unexpected changes that came about. And we've done very well as a result, but there's still a lot of uncertainty ahead. And I think that would be echoed by many other charities. Mm. Um, So our challenge really is to stay stable and continue to grow our scientific program so that more and more people have access to our information, so that we have more and more evidence to support the work that we do and and to support, uh, you know, policy change for prevention. And how can people get involved? Are there sort of fun and engaging ways that people can become involved with BC UK? Well, there are lots of fun things. So this year, as I mentioned, we have our 20th anniversary, which is very exciting. It's going to be a celebration of our history, but also a celebration of prevention. So we'll be inviting people to really get involved with prevention and ways in which people can get involved. um, We're going to have Q&A sessions, people can join us and learn more from experts and learn more from personal experiences. We're also going to be, we have a a whole skydiving 
uh, program that we're going to invite people to be involved in if they want to support our charity and fundraise for our charity as well, and a range of other fun activities that people can get involved in, such as joining a alcohol-free cocktail-making session. So we're going to do lots of fun things for the anniversary, but then we also have BCAM coming up, which is a really important time of year. It's the time of year where we raise awareness about breast cancer. So it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we will have lots of activities then, including uh, lots of free exercise sessions. So our BCAM campaign will focus entirely on the benefits of physical activity. And to do that, we'll be giving people lots of opportunities to join in on free Pilates sessions, free uh, yoga sessions, but lots of other physical activity sessions for free. And we will have a fitness festival at the end of it as well. You know, we engage with people on a very positive level. And what we try to do is when we do campaigns and when we do fundraising, we try to make it easier for people to to do activities that help them reduce their risk as well. Wonderful. And obviously you're on social media so people can, you know, share your page. um, They can follow us on Facebook. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. You've, I mean, goodness me, you've covered so much ground. Obviously, you're not CEO for nothing. You absolutely know what you're talking about. You're passionate about it. And uh, just thank you again for the wonderful work. And uh, we can see why it's so important to get this message to government and to get them to hear and to make the changes, which actually could end up saving and protecting so many lives, which is, you know, so important. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Tammy. goodness so Genevieve we listen to those oh this is women together on Radio Maria England and we've just been listening to Talia Martina Martini uh, from Breast Cancer UK and thank you Genevieve for doing that interview and now all so I'm going out to eat tonight and now all my head is like oh no I've got to make sure maybe I don't need to eat the fried food maybe I don't need to drink the wine ah oh but there's so many lovely, good alternatives as well. Yeah, I think it's so important to try dietary changes in the context then of seeing the difference to how that makes you think and feel because the physical and the mental is connected because otherwise it can be difficult. Um, and you might think like, oh, I'm just not kind of, you know, I'm just not having any fun here. Um, and uh, I think you know, maybe you might want to have one nice treat at the weekends or whatever, something. Um, But you're right. There are, I mean, I love eating my vegetables and there are all, all, um, there are easy ways to, to integrate this um, into your diet. So for example, I think I read somewhere, I think it was deliciously Ella said something Mm. like, try and have over the course of a week, and it it can actually be quite fun to do, 30 different fruits and vegetables 
over the week. I love a challenge. Yeah, I it, love a challenge. It's a good challenge. Normally, John and I get up to sort of 28 or something. We're like, oh, it's good. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. <laughs> and it just encourages you to try different things, put different things in your salad, maybe to have the radishes instead of the tomatoes or, you know, a yellow pepper or something. And it also encourages you to get the whole spectrum, which is important. And also to ask yourself, is there something red? Yes. In your meal. So, you know, the red pepper or the tomato or a sweet potato with that lovely, the the, the rich colour and something green. So if you just think, you know, lunch and dinner, something red, something green over the course of a week, am I getting in my 30? And I think it's also really important to, we can't make uh, loads of changes all at once. It can no. be overwhelming. But to think, okay, well, I'm just going to try one one little thing over the course of the next month um, and see how I go with that. And once something becomes a habit, it it becomes easier to do and to maintain. It's also a nice, now you mentioned in the interview that we're so lucky to now be living in a world where you've got the hair deodorants, hair deodorants, <laughs> you've got deodorant, you've got hair shampoos, body washes that are made from the correct not the correct things but made from natural places or don't have those chemicals that can cause uh, the cancer problems and that can be a lovely discussion and it it should start younger because like we didn't have these things when I was a teenager but now as a mother as an aunt as a grandmother or as a neighbor have that discussion with younger people when you're in the shopping places when you're teaching them how to bathe like oh just to let you know this is a nice, don't maybe not say, oh, this is a special one, but this is the correct one is we're looking at this and this and read the label with them and then they can understand, aha, this is what I'm going to look for. And if it just becomes their regular, regular, because right now we're like, oh, how do we change? How do we, but if we, with the youth, with the youngins, if you get them early, then they, they accept that this is what we need. Why would I put those chemicals in my hair? Why would I do that? That's ridiculous. And keep that attitude going as they get older. Then hopefully that will also, in a way, help them have preventative measures for cancers as well. That's a really, really good point. And I would encourage anyone to listen to the interview with Professor Robert Thomas, which was on Padre's Hour, as uh, he is a professor um, uh, and an oncologist at Addenbrooke's uh, University Hospital Trust and, and also at Bedford as well, and uh, a professor in nutritional science. So he goes that one step further in explaining some of the science behind this. And obviously he was very careful um, about what he said when it comes to, you know, cosmetics and that sort of thing. But he did make the very, very good point that we're talking about a cumulative effect. And I think it's quite obvious to all of us that, you know, as you said, we're so lucky with all these products that we have, but we absolutely do live in a time where our bodies are being exposed to more and more as more and more things are being created and there's pollution and there's, you know, this and there's that and, you know, the things we put in water to keep it clean and, you know, and in milk because we need so much of it to supply so to milk. so many people and the same with chicken and sort of all of that. So it's no great surprise that, you know, that our, our bodies to an extent are, they're going to be affected by the cumulative effect of lots of toxins and things it's not used to. So anything that we can do to just lower that is going to be helpful. And as you were saying, you know, you might think, okay, well, this month I'm going to focus on 
green. Green deodorants. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking that is going to be my focus. I think what I really want to get across is don't be overwhelmed because it can be too big. Or you might focus on the exercise part. And you know what? I'm going to just just try and up that and see how you feel. Notice the difference in, in how it makes you, you, you feel because that is what will spur you on. It will. It will. To listen, uh, the Padres Hour will be broadcast on the radio again Friday. That's tomorrow at 2 a.m. And again, Saturday at 5 p.m. So mark your calendars if you're listening via your radio. Genevieve, there's also this idea of, 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 in order for us to have gotten where we are now with these options, with these changes in what's being produced, what's being sold, it took people standing up and saying, well, doing what they can, writing the people that make things or creating these products themselves, writing to the government and saying, no, this shouldn't be allowed. And this is this is a year. We've got both things. We had the G7 here in, in, in Cornwall and now we have the COP21 in Glasgow. This is the time that you as as your single people or as parishes write into your uh write into your MPs or the people that make with these products and say listen this is important and we need to find some better alternatives. Yeah, and it reminds me of the interview we did for series 1 with the uh, CEO of Intentional Health. And uh, that was Nikki. And uh, when I spoke to her a little while ago, she was saying how she she feels that some things like health, for example, they've been kind of siloed out in our in our minds. So we think, okay, well, it's the GP. That's their job to look after our health. It's sort of not really my responsibility. Now, that is probably a bit of an exaggeration, (laughs) but I could see where she was going with that, um, that we do actually have a lot more control than we realise And actually, you know, a huge part of being Christian and certainly when we look back to Genesis uh, and we can see that God wants us to steward this world and to steward ourselves really, really wisely. So what's fascinating is for actually us to consider, you know, how much of this is a Christian message. And then when we go down that path, we think, okay, well, we might be having coffee after church this Sunday. Biscuits. Biscuits. And what are you seeing is on offer? And we Donuts. don't want Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to be fun sponges. I mean, you know, everyone loves a biscuit and a donut, but mm. but, you know, should we be thinking, well, actually, you know, is there could we be more responsible with this? What it, what would it look like to have a few different alternatives to have some fruit and nuts or you know maybe make some cakes that are sort of lower in sugar or have lots of other good stuff in it um that's something to think about it is we've done this with our youth group mainly because i have this paranoia that the parents are going to say what are you feeding my kids so for our confirmation sessions uh where we're uh, this year it was 45 minutes long but usually it's two hours long that i've got the kids and I can't go two hours without snacking. So we have popcorn and grapes and all the different green and purple. And the kids love it. It's 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 in the, they've already had dinner or something, but it is something to snatch on, snack on. It's uh, relationship building. Uh, we've got to clean up afterwards. Uh, we've got to set up. So there's that part where the, the candidates help each other to do it. And it becomes 
they are used to it now. I mean, the one year after another, they can go, oh, yeah, you in confirmation? How's those grapes? So they know now at St. Lawrence, you're going to get grapes and popcorn at those sessions. So why not let it, just make it a normal thing? And if you're going to a, a women's a prayer group, uh, a Bible study, we, we love a good cup of tea. We love a good cup of thing. Why not just also just sneak in slowly Sneak in like, oh, have you tried this fancy? It's not fancy. Have you tried this kind of chittering? That's the word. The chittering coffee stuff. Oh, have you tried uh, this type of yogurt? Have you tried pickles? <laughs> Another probiotic. <laughs> don't, I don't know if you should bring pickles to a Bible study. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But just slowly introducing. And it's also a conversation starter as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I'm getting from this is to be a little bit inventive and, uh, you know, just say, just try something, set yourself a bit of a challenge. Yes. And I forgot to, uh, this is where I wanted to go with this as well. And don't separate health from church. Don't separate it because don't separate your employment. We need to start bringing your faith and your relationship with Jesus within your whole lives. And I'm not saying I'm going to wear a Jesus shirt and but bring it in and don't separate it especially for young people do not bring it together and then there's not a separation between health and your parish life uh, your faith there's not a separation between science and faith because they are all of God's creating and they all work beautifully together uh father no father professor robert thomas in your in the interview on padre's hour uh he said usually the first thing you do when you find out you've got cancer is you head to church you head to church because that's where you'll get the support which boosts the helps with your mental health which will if that helps with your mental health you'll make wiser decisions in your eating you'll want to go out more physically and so all of this brings it together and with faith comes hope so that will also help raise whatever those chemicals that hope does. I think there is a scientific study that's like hope does this to your brain and that produces all these things. So it all comes together. Science, faith, health, it all comes together. And how amazing is that? Yeah, I think definitely a holistic approach is is the way to go. Definitely. Um, and I, I wonder if there's a way of, you know, if you're really, really thirsty, like really, really thirsty, and then you just have a glass of water and it's just a glass of water and uh, and it just tastes. I remember once my my dad, he'd had an operation or something and he, he he hadn't been able to just drink for a little while. And I remember him saying that the first sip of water tasted like champagne. It was so amazing. Um, and so I wonder it in the same way. I mean, God, we again, going back to Genesis, he says, I've given you every tree in this garden um, to eat, apart from obviously the one we know that we couldn't, <laughs> which looked extra lovely. And, and that's I'm the sure, one we went for. Sure had lo lots of poly polyphenols in that <laughs> apple. Um, but um, yeah, there are so many delicious things. And actually, in some ways, perhaps a bit of a return to simplicity. Let's enjoy all this sort of glorious fruit and vegetables and the variety of it. And um, I, I went away with my husband and we had... Um, we were treated to a, a lovely dinner and we had these, uh, it was actually broccoli um, and it was done in a, this kind of Korean way, this sort of tempura. Oh, I love tempura broccoli. Oh, oh it was so, so It was like a sticky broccoli and it was just 
what was it cauliflower was it broccoli or cauliflower but it was you so could do it good with and we were like oh goodness we've 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 got to do this and it was just this this humble vegetable but but transformed um and it's amazing how how so god's made all these things and god's made our bodies and as we heard from liz Co- from season one dr liz cochran said that god's made our bodies with ways to interact with the natural world so the blueberries you take in has the antioxidants that help do this, that help the inflammation and does this, does this, this. Olives, the fat in it will help with this and this and this. It also helps you feel full. Oh, big fat stuff helps you get full, the good stuff. Oils in the food helps you feel full so you won't want more and you'll understand you don't need more. So it's so amazing how oh, he's so brilliant, which is good, uh, that he's created our bodies and nature to correspond together. And when we understand the science then we can just see the beauty of the Lord in all that's been made. Absolutely. And we hear sometimes, love your neighbour as yourself. And then we hear, we need to love ourselves. And this is a way of loving yourself. And as a species, we definitely do have a tendency. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure, I mean, I went out yesterday for coffee with my mum and I did resist temptation, but I did see a mighty fine looking carrot cake which was gluten-free with this icing on top. I was like, mm. I, you know, but I resisted. But I thought, yeah, at the right time, you know, it's lovely to have these treats. Of course it is. Um, but just to be mindful of actually really supporting yourself. Um, and of course, I, I must say as well that it, it's so important as we're talking about breast cancer. And I, I'm sure every, you know, that you're all really wonderful at uh, doing this. But the importance of checking our breasts. Yes. Throughout yes. the month, recognizing what's normal for you, you know, the different stages of your cycle um, and uh, and being brave as well. I mean, I've I've gone to the breast clinic here at uh, Addenbrooke's in Cambridge on a couple of occasions, and I've always had an amazing experience there and found the team really wonderful. So, of course, it is a little bit scary, but just to encourage anyone to to be vigilant, to do the checks um, and uh, obviously to go and see your GP if there's anything of concern as well. And also Tally uh, emailed us to tell us about uh, a new oh, feature. Yes. It's ha- amazing. Yes. And actually, I've just done the uh, quiz. So if you go to breastcanceruk.org.uk and at the top of the page, uh, there is it's called Prevention Hub, Practical Advice to help you reduce your risk and you can start your prevention journey by doing a quiz it um, only takes a few minutes it's a sort of five to ten minutes long and uh, and then they sort of give you a score and it just takes you through where in your current lifestyle uh, you might be increasing your risk and some of the steps that you can take to uh, to reduce it so very easy and practical way of seeing what you personally can do um, to to reduce your risk. You know what I just realised? Breast Cancer Prevention Week 2021 was June 21st through June 27th. Oh, that was just last week. <laughs> See, I this know. is perfect. Oh, we should, but we're continuing on the week of Bre- Breast Cancer Prevention Week for this week. Absolutely. Um, so... Oh, I th- oh, all our links uh, for Breast Cancer UK... For the breastcancerprevention.org.uk, that amazing quiz that we were talking about, that's all found also on our on our blog posts and on our Facebook. Of course, look at theirs as well. And they've given they, there's loads of and talk to your MPs, talk to your parishes, talk to your priests, and say, listen, we need to have this as part of 
of our lives and information wise. Oh, one more thing. Some people, we, there are these deserts, uh, food nutrition deserts that we have here in England. That doesn't mean it's dry. It means it's so expensive to get, um, that's just the plain food that is healthy for you. It's much cheaper to buy the quick, this thing, the thing full of salt, this, this, and this. It's just, it's more accessible to get those ungood things, those things that are not going to help prevent cancer. So as a parish, try for your food banks and stuff. Get That's what we need to definitely donate is some of the, donate with thought your healthier foods. That is a very, very good point. And it's something I feel really passionate about that, you know, I feel very in a very, very privileged uh, position myself. You know, I do try and buy organic when I can. And, you know, I don't have children. So I feel like I've, you know, I've kind of got time to sort of focus on this area. But I'm very aware that for a lot of busy mums, you know, it's just an easier choice to just go to the supermarket and just get something that that might not be best nutritionally, but which is easy and cheap and the children like it. And actually, you know, it could be having an effect on our physical and mental health. It's really important uh, to make, it should be a right for every human being to have access to good, healthy food that supports their bodies physically and mentally. So absolutely well said that if we can um, do our part. And it took people, it took parents telling their MPs, telling the government, hey, some of those children that are going to the schools, public uh, schools at age reception, year one, year two, they're not going with snacks. They're going hungry. And if you're going to give them food, which they do, the snacks and stuff, make sure it's good. So the usually schools, uh, reception, all that age, they give them apples or oranges, even carrot sticks. And they love them. They grow to learn to love them. And so keep pressing your government. Keep pressing them. And uh, I think on that note, we, we should need pray. To, we do. We've Helen gone, we've gone we've, through. We've this gone time's over. gone so fast. My goodness, my goodness. Am I saying the prayer? Would you like to? I can. Would, would you I... like me to? I'll do it. I'll go for the prayer. I'll go for the prayer. Here we go. Here we go. Let's get us up the prayer. Oh, dear Lord. Thank you so much for introducing these beautiful people to us for Talia for Professor Robert for Nikki for all Dr. Liz these people that are making health and bringing it to us in all our different aspects of life our mental health our spiritual health and our bodily health please let any of those listeners out there that needed to hear this today Bring them the confidence to try. Bring them the courage to stand up and speak to someone. Give them, uh, give them the, the love that they're, they're going to be all right. Lord, we pray for all those that are out there suffering for any cancers and for breast cancers. Bring them the support they need. Bring them the hope that they need to continue to battle, to live, to survive, or to say goodbye as they deal with their treatments and diagnoses. Bless all their families that are supporting them as well. Lord, I ask that you continue to give confidence and support to those charities, those places that are helping teach us how to prevent diseases. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's episode and it will be repeated Friday at 9pm, Saturday at 7.30am, Sunday at 5pm and Wednesday at 2am. And it is also available as a podcast. Just look for Women Together. And join us next week for our final episode, which is going to be on prayer, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Which really is at the heart of our faith. So And the heart of the show. Yes, absolutely. So we're so delighted. Um, Helena, just remind me who we're going to be. Oh, it's going to be Barb. It's a very complicated last name. So I'm not going to, I'll just embarrass myself by saying, but it's Barb. She is a secular Franciscan. She's written a new book, how to, a little book of prayer, introduction to prayer. And we'll have loads of stuff about her on our blog. And she's a really lovely lady from New Jersey. So wonderful. Well, join us next week for our final show in series two. It's been a real delight to journey with you through this series. And until we're together again, God bless. 